0: This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And for today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome colleagues from our Tokyo office. We're going to have a different kind of podcast. We're going to be talking about the significance of a recent court ruling that backed same-sex marriages in Japan and the broader evolution of LGBTQ rights in Japan and across all of Asia to do that, I'm joined by three of my colleagues from the Tokyo office. My guests are Hiroki Anaba, who's a VP in the legal department and head of the Tokyo LGBTQ network. Also by Masa Yanagisawa, who is the head of prime services at the firm in Japan and also co-COO of the firm's APEC, Asia Pacific LGBTQ council. And finally, last but not least, Akiko Koda, who has been an active ally of the LGBTQ plus community in Tokyo and in Asia, and also runs HCM, which is HR in many people's parlance, and the executive office for Japan for Goldman. She's also co-head of the federation there. So Hiroki, Masa, and Akiko, thank you very much for joining us today, and welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: All right, so Japan remains really the only G7 country that has not traditionally recognized same-sex relationships, but that may be changing, given last month's court decision, which said that Japan's failure to recognize same-sex marriage is unconstitutional. Masa, let's start with you. What is the legal significance, the practical significance of that ruling?
1: It was a milestone event for Japan in every aspect, for LGBT community, of course, but for the Japanese history as well. It's been, I have to say, slow uh, here when it comes to recognizing the relationship or recognizing the LGBT community. But with this new court ruling, now the Diet member has started to discuss about this issue, which is needed to legalize the marriage in Japan. But also on the back of this court decision, now the newspapers, TV shows, all the medias had started to talk about this issue, which had been lacking in the Japanese community, and I'm very hopeful that would move the needle.
0: Great. So Masa, let's stick with you for a moment. Share your personal story of how you came out and you know how that's gone at Goldman and elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I actually came out at my previous firm like nearly 10 years ago when I realized that they offer housing benefits to the legally recognized couples only. And I thought that initially, oh, well, you know, the LGBT issue is not commonly talked in Japan yet. So maybe I should give up. But at the same time, I also felt that, you know, the benefit is a part of my salary and I shouldn't actually give up. I'm working hard enough at the bank and probably, you know, I should get an equal benefit. So I came out to the HR at the time and they asked that we need to actually change the policy. Quite luckily, we had good industry colleagues, including Goldman Sachs, basically gave us some guidance what they have done in the past in this space in Japan, and we implement the policy at the farm as well. So that was a great experience for me. I learned a lot from the process, but because I actually spent five years in the UK when I was in 20s, and the London had changed a lot over that five years' time. I was quite hopeful Japan could also change as well. And since I came out in 2012, many things had changed in Japan too. And this marriage equality court decision is just a one of them.
0: Well, it is probably the one of the most significant cultural changes in my adult life in the United States as well, if you think back to just 10, 20 years ago. Hiroki, you joined the firm a long time ago, in 2002, only came out in 2015, what prompted you to make that
2: decision and do it at that point in time? Sure. When I started my career in 1990s, started with Japanese bank. there was no role model at work in Japan. There was actually no one at work in Japan as far as I knew. And if you turn the TV, you saw gay people really... On the screen and on their occasion you saw them, they're subject of a ridicule or joke. So prejudice was everywhere, both at work, as it was in society. So coming out at work essentially meant career suicide, or killing your career back then. So it's natural I was in the closet. I joined Goldman in 2002, but I had no intention to change it and to come out at work. So then what changed me, I think Goldman pushed my back. Goldman in Japan started promoting LGBTQ plus inclusion at work intensively back in 2009. But I was still skeptical at first, thought this will end soon, but it didn't. Became more and more active year by year. And in 2015, when I came out, There was a farm-sponsored volunteering event, mentoring for LGBTQ students. I wanted to participate, but it was difficult without coming out. You can imagine how difficult it would be to be a mentor for LGBTQ students while you are hiding that you are a gay person. So I decided to come out to participate this event. Also, my manager back then pushed my back as well. Inspired by the farm's initiatives, he became such an ally. I remember he often talked about what he discovered while he attended farm-sponsored event for him. And I wanted to let him know that a gay person, although in the closet, was sitting beside him and listening to his story. So he was another reason that I came up. Also, the Japanese society started to change just before I came out in May. Shibuya City, which is one of the cities in Tokyo, I actually live next to Shibuya. Shibuya passed the ordinance recognizing same-sex partnership. I felt the wave of the change just started to arrive in Japan, and I wanted to participate in the wave. All those reasons plus other reasons pushed me to come out.
0: All right. So, Masa, back to you. You mentioned you lived in London, traveled extensively. Talk about how the landscape for LGBTQ plus community has evolved in Japan over the years. And how does it compare with some of the other countries you've worked in and traveled in?
1: Yeah, I think the change is significant. Just to give you the number, around 2010, the Pride Parade in Tokyo only had a couple of thousand participants. I remember that in 2012, when I participated for the first time, the GS was one of the few companies who actually had a company flag and logo everywhere, and they worked with the company T-shirts. I actually met Akiko Koda at the Palais, not the <laughs> when I actually met her for the first time. He was actually on the street in Shibuya, and we talked about how Japan can actually change and how the corporate can drive the change as well. Since then, it's it's just so, it's amazing, I have to say. You know, it used to be the LGBT was not a common word in Japan. We need to explain what the L stands for. But now the people understand that, and the people is talking about the challenges the community faces. I think what is quite interesting is that over the last few years, the obviously, the legalizing marriage had been the global phenomena. The starting from Europe, it went to the U.S., and now the Taiwan and the other APAC countries or regions have been promoting this equality. And that is absolutely powerful for Japanese change as well. I'm sure that we talked about the business case for this later, but this global change had been pushing the global Japanese corporations like Sony and Panasonic. And this has been the great, powerful voice within the Japanese community. This is a time for us to change.
0: Fascinating. So the debate over same-sex marriages was in full swing as far back in the U.S. and Europe in the 1990s, as Masa mentioned. And it's really only come to the forefront in Asia in recent years, as you've all described. Kiko, how do you think corporate Japan's attitude towards diversity and inclusion are changing?
3: So when we discuss diversity and inclusion in Japan, the first thing people will think of is gender issues. So just taking a step back, Japan legalized the equal employment law for men and women in 1985. So this was the dawn of the gender issue to be brought to the front. And over the past 30 plus years, inclusion of women has become a much more major topic in the workplace and society. We've also seen that with Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, our former prime minister, introducing womenomics into the Japan's economic policies in 2013. On the other hand, when you look at LGBTQ plus issues, this has only been more discussed publicly in the corporate place over the past 10 years. As Hiroki mentioned, a lot of LGBTQ plus issues were more things you saw on TV, not something you saw in the workplace. So it's interesting as Masa has said that with the time evolving, we are seeing much stride and I think that we are making much progress. I think similar to gender issues, the real inclusion is going to take much more time. But I think the acknowledgement and awareness phase has really come forward. As Hiroki had mentioned, Tokyo and other local municipals are starting to acknowledge same-sex partnerships. And we are also starting to see some Japanese corporates including equal benefits for employees in same-sex relationships as well. It's really interesting because if you ask somebody in the younger generation, they will say that they know of an LGBTQ plus friend, which is very different from the older generation who might not be aware of any and not really aware of some of the issues in the LGBTQ plus community. A recent survey by Dentsu, which is one of our largest advertising companies in Japan, has shown that nearly 80% of people aged between 20 and 59 approve of same-sex marriage. So it shows that there is a shift in sentiment to really allow people to be more open, to come out and to be their true selves.
0: All right. So Masa and Hiroki, you both played leadership roles in campaigning for LGBTQ plus rights and marriage equality, both inside and outside of the firm. Describe a little bit your personal motivations for getting involved and what you've been able to achieve. Hiroki, I'll start with you.
2: My biggest achievement, or well, I would say Goldman Sachs LGBTQ community's biggest achievement is to have Masa with us Goldman now. Masa is one of the most famous and respected out and open business leaders in Japan. It is great to see that Goldman attracted such an outstanding leader in the community. Outside of Goldman, I organized NPO of business lawyers supporting LGBTQ plus community In Japan together with my former manager. There are four major business law firms in Japan and all of them joined this NPO. I'm proud that not only human rights lawyers, but also most of the business lawyers in Japan support marriage equality thanks to activity of this NPO. I received 2017 Outstanding International Corporate Counsel Award from American Bar Association for my work on organizing this NPO. add to my personal motivation, it is fascinating to be a part of the change of the society, especially when you are, or you feel you are contributing something to the change. I think this is my motivation.
1: So for me, the motivation is actually about myself to start with. I just wanted to be myself at work, and it was a difficult. So when I saw what would be the best way to learn about the experience of the other firms, let's create NGO and discuss about the workplace issue. That's how I started the forum called Work With Pride with a few friends. We basically introduced the workplace forum to discuss this agenda, but also in 2017, introduced the Equality Index, which is basically recognizing the corporation's effort for this LGBT equality. When we started in 2017, only 87 Japanese companies has recognized as the best place to work. The Goldman is one of them and had been the one of them since the launch. In 2020 last year, the number was 183. And that number includes a traditional Japanese corporates like Panasonic and Sony, not just like a Goldman Sachs. And this actually showed a significant change we made in the past a few years. And with this NGO, I had been getting an amazing opportunity to discuss about this issue with the corporate executives as well as the, you know, the political community leaders as well. I think the, what had been quite interesting to me is that this community work has a great feedback into my work as well. They often give me the perspective about how we should think about the community. They often give me the ideas on how Japan actually should change in the overall context, not just on the LGBT issues. And that has been greatly contributed to my work to think about how we should be strategic about the business in Japan.
0: So Masi, you wrote an op-ed for Nikkei Asia about the need for Japan to recognize the constitutionality of same-sex marriage. And you talked about the freedom of marriage, not only as a human rights issue, but as a, a positive driver for business. Describe how legalizing same-sex marriage in Japan would be good for business. I mean, we're somewhat familiar with those arguments here in the U.S., but explain how it would work in the Japanese context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the probably the most important thing is that you know, the people are expected to maximize their ability at work without hiding a sexual orientation or gender identity. It's very hard to do that. So I guess just to repeat my point, just to be myself at work, you know, this equality is the one of the most important agenda to make it happen. And marriage equality could be a driver for that. Particularly in the cases like in the Japanese corporations, we talked about our personal lives. We talked about the weekend activities. And people often assume that you have a wife rather than husband if you're a man and they, they actually take it granted for the everyday conversation. So they having the concept of the marriage equality in a workplace, this obviously changed the whole dynamics of the conversation and changed the atmosphere into the more inclusive way. And that would obviously impact on the creativity and the innovation at work. Also, I would say that at this stage, the GS offers equal benefits to the employees and then often we actually need to create our unique system, given that there is no national coverage for some of the benefits like insurance as well as like allowance. And if the company wants to introduce the unique system, it's their cost. We strongly want to urge the government to have the national system that would make much more easier for the Japanese corporate to adopt the equal policies.
0: So our former chairman and CEO, Lloyd Blankfein, was the first Fortune 500 leader to publicly support the cause of marriage equality in the United States back in 2012. Akiko, how do you think the financial services industry, which is you know fairly conservative everywhere, but especially in Asia, has changed? And what are companies doing to create a more inclusive environment for the reasons Masa described?
3: So recently, the American Chambers of Commerce in Japan published a statement endorsed by 61 organizations here, including ourselves, citing that the disparity in legal rights makes Japan a less attractive option for LGBTQ couples compared to many other companies. And I think the business case for us and for a lot of the companies is really the war for talent. We want to retain and attract the best talent. And as you have more people who are comfortable to be themselves, there is a linkage of performance and being out. And so we want to make sure that we are a magnet to attract the best talent, recognizing the equality that we have. I think also for the broader industry, we have LGBT finance. It's established amongst the global investment banks and accounting firms. And we continue to work together to share best practices. Also, we march in the Rainbow Pride Parade together in Japan to really raise awareness of LGBTQ plus issues. And really across industry, we really want to increase more inclusivity in the society overall. And we're quite happy with the achievements we've made over the past years. I think, interestingly, amongst the Japanese financial service companies, the insurance companies saw the business case in diversity and in LGBTQ plus inclusion very early on as they learned and saw how the U.S. insurance companies were treating same-sex couples in insurance policies and benefits. And so I think they were the most advanced in recognizing from a business case, which I think has been a major step forward. And hopefully, we'll continue to see more Japanese companies taking the same step as this issue and awareness continues to be much more acknowledged.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. You know, you don't think of financial services and insurance industries as being pioneers in the space, but it's amazing the role they played. Akiko, talk a little bit about how GS Tokyo, the office there, what we've done to attract and retain LGBTQ plus professionals in the war for talent.
3: So in terms of our employee benefits, Goldman Sachs Tokyo has all benefits available equally to same and opposite sex marriages, such as insurance coverage, marriage leave, adoption leave, fertility treatments, which is not entirely common in Japan yet. We also have employee resource groups. So we have our LGBTQ plus network led by Hiroki in Japan and also for Asia Pacific, for MASA, The network itself is very active and visible. And we also have allies across the entire firm. I have a huge flag of LGBT ally in my office. Also, a lot of our employees have stickers and tents on their desks to show their support. We also have managing directors serving as allies to the LGBTQ plus community, and they, in each of their divisions, continue to increase awareness and promote some of the trainings and activities that we host internally. The visibility of support is really important to embrace the inclusiveness and to really cultivate that environment. Also in Pride Month, which we celebrate in November, we have a Pink Friday where globally, but also in Japan, all of our employees come either in a pink t-shirt that the firm has or in their favorite outfit in pink to really celebrate Pride. We also in Tokyo hold a career forum specifically for LGBTQ students discussing our firm, culture, benefits, and also answer any questions they may have as they start their job search. Some of the questions start really as, should I be out? Should I stay quiet? How do I ask the benefits of what companies have when I'm looking for a job search? For transgender, it's even more challenging because we've had questions. Should I come as a male? Should I come as a female? Should I go with my birth gender? Or should I go with who I self-identify as? It's very challenging as a student to really understand what is accepted in the corporate. So we also have conducted a number of firm-sponsored volunteer activities to really help to coach and also do prep questioning so that we train, we give them mock interviews in advance to help them get prepared for interviews into the workplace.
0: All right, so finally, and this is a question for all of you. What are your outlooks for the prospects of Japan actually legalizing same-sex marriages? There's the first step, obviously, with the court ruling, but are you hopeful
2: that we'll make more progress? I'll start with Hiroki. I think not allowing same-sex marriage is a symbol of discrimination and prejudice against LGBTQ plus community. I wouldn't say legalizing same-sex marriage would solve all the discrimination in Japan, but this would be a great step to add it. All right, Masa, how about you?
1: After the court decision, I got so many emails and phone calls from my colleagues, from my clients, the partners in the firm. You know, it's just amazing. And that includes some of the people who looked a bit conservative, not interested in this type of the topic. Never talked about this in the workplace, but they say like, you know, I'm really happy with the decision. I'm really keen to be involved in, you know, that's just so amazing. And I was just so grateful with that. I was just convinced that we just move forward here. And I'm very, very hopeful for that outlook.
0: All right. And Akiko, how about you?
3: I'm hopeful as well. I think the time is ripe. Japan has been an active proponent talking about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And as corporate Japan continues to really push for the SDGs, you know, really, I think that we are moving forward to becoming a much more inclusive society, not only for gender issues, but also for LGBTQ plus and much more broadly. I am very hopeful and I do hope that we make a major stride forward.
0: All right. Well, I certainly hope you're all right. And thank you all for joining us today and for speaking so personally and bluntly about your hopes and fears and for all the work you've done. And thank you again for doing it in English. Had we done it in Japanese, I think my questions would have been pretty elementary. So thanks for joining us today, Hiroki, Masa, and Akiko.
3: Thank you. Thank
0: you. All right. Well, that was terrific. That concludes this episode of Exchanges Goldman Sachs. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe an Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And please tune in later in the week for our markets update, where leaders around the firm provide a quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, April 8th, 2021, and technically on April 9th, 2021 in Japan. So thanks for listening.